Here we go. Welcome, everyone. Hello. This is The Riverfront, and I have no idea what episode this is going to go down as, but um, we are the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Ryan LaVarnway. I'm not your host, Chad Dotson. I'm the little brother. I'm Nate Dotson. I'm here with Wick Terrell and Chris Garber. It is opening day. We're coming at you live, and we're going to have some fun. So, um, before we get into everything that just happened and the holiday that is opening day in Cincinnati, um, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button, smash the subscribe button. If you're listening to the audio, why not go ahead and subscribe there too, because we're pretty cool and you like to hear our sweet, sweet voices as much as possible. And this could not be possible without the patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy family, where we get together and talk shop and I don't know, but you're just a bunch of weirdos who have decided to pay money because they like the Reds. So go figure. Um, gentlemen, game's over. Did not end the way we uh, we would have hoped. 5-4 Pirates win. It was exciting at the end. I don't know. I'm going to go. Wick, I'll start with you. General 30,000-foot view feelings about opening day. Uh, just glad it was opening day again. I mean, it, 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 it looked and felt like opening day in Cincinnati, which – you know, for a number of different reasons, you know, pandemic issues, uh, lockout issues and starting on the road last year. Um, it, it looked like like what like you would expect it to look. And that's that's cool. I mean, that that, that that's fantastic to have um, the fans of Cincinnati deserve to have that regardless of what the Reds choose to give to them. Um, and that was that was wonderful to behold um, on the field. Uh, it's the same thing that I think a lot of us kind of have acknowledged over the course of the last couple of months is that there's a lot of cool good young talent on the reds um it's not a great 26 man roster top to bottom but when you've got cool young good talent you'll see spurts of really really impressive stuff um whether or not hunter green threw 105.2 miles an hour or if it was only 101.9 whatever it was um he was electric he he struck out i guess what uh, eight of the first 10 outs that were recorded were strikeouts uh and things kind of fell apart a little bit after that but um you know, but you also saw the bad parts. You saw the bullpen not ready to step in in a big spot against a team that didn't exactly do their due diligence over the winter to, to make themselves a formidable foe either. Um, and uh, it, it ended up being uh, a loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates on opening day at home, which you never want to see in the grand scheme of things. But um, so kind of, I guess, a microcosm of what the Reds are going to be up against this year, which is uh, a lot of talent, not a lot of experience, and there's going to be some rough patches out there. But uh, a fun day. Um, I hope it's not the most fun we have for the next couple weeks. God, we'll, we'll see how the, we'll see that. how that goes. It's it's been some rough Aprils in the last couple of years, so hopefully this is not a, a sign of worse things to come. But it was a it was a fun opening day either way. Yeah, I agree. Please do not let that be the most fun that we have. Chris, you're <laughs> local over there. Um, what was the feeling? What was the city like? Was there any kind of buzz? Was it at least? Oh, well, I'm in Columbus. I'm in, I'm in Columbus. I've, I'm, uh, I'm two hours away and I, and I just got back to town this afternoon about three o'clock. So I had no idea what it's really like here. Um, there wasn't, it wasn't a lot of excitement in Dallas this morning when I got on the plane about Reds Weird. baseball. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I said, you know, same for here. I, I'm just glad to see them back. Um, it was cool. There was some, there, it was fun to watch. I thought, uh, the pitch clock um, really did. It really does make a difference once they started going. And in a couple ways, we can talk about um, one sequence in particular where I think it, it may have had a bad effect on the Reds, but the game moved right along. Um, you know, the Reds walking 16, uh, 16 batters, or whatever it was, didn't help, though. <laughs> I, I did have to take a nap uh, in the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. So uh, we're not quite to the pace of baseball that I can handle yet, but um, it was fun. You know, it, it, it's it's always good to have one's uh, priors confirmed, and uh, that happened today for for me anyway. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there was a whole lot of what we expected on that field. I'm going to keep riding high, though. Like, I had, I had a lot of fun today watching Cincinnati Reds baseball, and that's something that I don't remember feeling. I mean, I'm sure it happened a couple times last year, maybe opening day, that first series against the Braves. But other than that, there weren't many opportunities for just general, uh, just, just just joy and enthusiasm about the team, about the city. Um, a couple quick comments, things that I noticed. I do want to get into what you were talking about, Chris, that one sequence. I assume you're talking about the Hunter Green 
um, little span there where he, he seemed a little bit rushed. But just off the top, things that uh, stuck out to me. One, I think I'm going to have a whole lot of fun watching Jonathan India play baseball this season. He looked dialed in from the first pitch. He was hustling around the base pass. He looked like that guy he did two seasons ago. And I think whatever that monkey that was on his back, maybe the, the Mike Moustakish size monkey on his back is uh, is off. And he's he's flying around and having fun. Um, what are some other things that stood out to you, Wick? I mean, I, I think it's, you know, you mentioned India. I think a lot of it is that if the Reds can keep their best players on the field, they've got some good players. They've got some. They don't have as many as a lot of other teams do. But if you've got India, you've got Jake Fraley, who also looked great today. Um, Spencer Steer turns out to be a guy who's a legit big league player. Looked fantastic today. Obviously, a great game. Uh, hit the crap out of one ball. Um, if they can keep their best players on the field, they can be not the worst team in baseball. Um, you could probably say the same thing about last year's team, too. You know, a lot of these guys were there last year also, and they just couldn't keep them on the field. And so that's the big question mark. It's, it's guys that, you know, were, uh, Chris, I think you've, you've mentioned this on Twitter a couple of times before. Um, they're not old players, but it's not like there's a bunch of 21 and 22 year old guys out there. They're 25, 26, 27, 28. They're, you know, most of the good teams in baseball have several of those guys out there too. And a lot of them have got two or three years of experience. Um, the Reds have that they've got Fraley and Stevenson and, and India, they've got a, a core of guys who should be in their quote unquote prime years right now. Um, and the question is whether or not they can get a 600 plus plate appearance season. And if they do, I, I think they've got the ability to have some pretty, you know, solid core pieces there. Um, whether or not any of them can emerge into being the superstar piece to kind of carry the other guys on the roster. I don't know. Um, that's, that's the big question because there's no, there's no track record here for really any of them. Um, but as you mentioned, when they're healthy and they're on the field, there are some dynamic players on top of that lineup. I just, uh, yeah, I hope they get a chance to, to piece that together more often than not this year. Last year they didn't. And so we're, we're kind of waiting with, with bated breath and make sure that's the, the exception to the rule. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, uh, this, this, I always, I, you know, I, I always think about position players first and it's just my way I think about baseball <laughs> and the, the pitching staff has a lot of obviously really high ceiling or a few really high ceiling guys that are pretty interesting. The, the offense, you know, I think they've, they've kind of gotten rid of some of the, the low floor guys like last year, guys who maybe they're, maybe they'll be just as bad as Mike Moustakis was, but they're not going to have, you're not gonna have to watch them all year long. Cause you know, if Vossler is as bad as Moustakis, you're not going to hear from Vossler much longer. Yeah. Um, but they've got these guys and it's, it's several of these dudes who are like, Either you know late, late young, or uh, prime, or past their prime, and still have no track record in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. You know, it, like I mean, they probably started three or four of those guys today, and it's a really weird thing. And it's like, is this strategic, or is it like these are replacement level guys, and that's what they want to have on this roster, and that's what they look like? You know, guys who are had potential, they haven't been released, they're not out of the game. But they're 29 years old and they ha they haven't had a full season under their belt yet. I don't know, um, but I thought you made a good point, Wick, about like I don't know that they have the top end guys mm -hmm. that can carry a couple weak spots. I think they've improved their floor, but the ceiling's still pretty low for overall on the offensive side. I think the the way I looked at it is it's like they've got a lot. Like they made a lot of fair or reasonable bets on guys this year. Like none of the guys that they're rolling out there, I'm like, there's no chance he's going to be something. You couldn't right. really say that last year. Like last year, there were a lot of guys that are like, there's, there's no chance. There's a chance on basically all of these guys. It's not a great chance on a lot of them, but there's at least like, you, you could find reasons where it's like, okay, best case scenario. Yeah. That would be, he's got the opportunity to be a good player. The skills, I can see that that could translate. Um, it's just they're asking for like we 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 talked about it on, on the Walksville Hunt podcast last night. Uh, they they bought themselves a lot of dice rolls, and if you roll dice a lot, you're gonna come up with something eventually. <laughs> but it's still a dice roll, and like how many of those are gonna happen and just happen to come up in the right way that you want them to all at the same time this year? I don't know. There's there's no there's no two sided die in <laughs> in this group right now. I don't think and. So I mean it's it's a that's a strategy. It doesn't cost a whole lot. We've we've seen that for sure. Um it's just, you know, I I I don't know. It's it's something I've never really seen 
uh, a, a team that I follow as closely as I follow this this group as do before. So I don't really know exactly how much how much faith to put in that process. But it's um, it's it doesn't it doesn't strike me as one that has a great chance of succeeding more than it fails. Uh, but it will succeed. I mean, there's there hey, come on. feels out there. No doubt about it. Let me keep some opening day optimism, at least for a few days here. One, one positive that I'll take away is simply last year, there were whole innings where the Reds didn't trot a single serviceable major league hitter to the plate. I don't think there was a three hitter span in that lineup today that included Vossler's and guys with four strikeouts who were Chad's favorite player. Um, not, not the debut we wanted from Will Benson. He's better days to come for sure. But I thought that every inning I could see who was coming up next and be like, okay, I, I can see a, a path to runs. And that was something that we didn't get to have last year. So that's just for me, the Reds lost. There were some very questionable decisions on uh, you know, David Bell's behalf, but it was a fun team. I see why I'm going to have a good time watching Reds baseball this year. They're probably not going to contend. They're probably not going to have – a winning record they're almost certainly not but i had a really good time watching the rest today and yep. i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy that for at least a little bit longer um yeah you mentioned sure. jake you mentioned jake fraley uh worth worth talking about he's been one of those guys that i know a lot of people are excited about i just haven't been able to convince myself that he might be a guy mm-hmm. he might be a guy <laughs> like, I, I don't know he's probably not a guy but he could be a guy <laughs> He, he's not a guy. Now, so here's the thing, like, because so many people are just like highest kites on Jake Fraley. Like I, I like him. I really like him. Like today, like he's a good player and I think he could be a good player. I think, I think the thing is Jake Fraley's upside is like high upside is Adam Duvall's career. A guy who doesn't really get to play until he's 26, 27, 28 but can put together six or seven years in the major leagues where he's like a legitimate part of good teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not, that's not nothing, mm-hmm. but I, he's not Jay Bruce either. Yeah. And sure. I think that's like the perspective that I feel like I'm the foreign object in the punch bowl <laughs> for continuing to bring up. But The Phil Castellini in the punch bowl. <laughs> no, I mean like what he's, He's in many ways the guy who I think I compare him most often to is Alex Verdugo in Boston, who was a big, big part of the Mookie Betts trade. And it's like, you know, not that he was ever expected to come right in and replace Mookie Betts. Mookie got, you know, traded with what, like a year of service time or a year of uh, uh, control before free agency. So they were never going to get full value for a superstar like that. But um, he's a serviceable piece and they got him in that deal. They didn't get as much as they should have gotten for giving Mookie Betts away. But they got something. He's a piece. But, like, you can't expect him to be, like, the best player on your team and get further in the the, the grand scheme of climbing up the baseball ladder than they are. Uh, Fraley's a good piece. He'd probably be about as good on Boston as Verdugo is, who's – I think he hit leadoff today and hit a triple off the wall. He's got some talent. He can hit right-handed pitching. But, like, if you're asking him to hit third and hit – 35 home runs and be a six win player and carry the playoffs. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. And that's he's fine. batting 500 this season. Have you noticed that he's <laughs> to be maybe the best hitter of all time. Like, so like Andrew, your Benet- and Andrew Benetini does not have his power and just signed a $75 million contract. Like Jake Fraley is a legitimately good big league player. I'm excited about him, but at the same point, like I'm not going to annoy him. Uh, the next captain of the Reds for the decade because he happens to be one of the three or four best bats that's, that's out there. Um, that's that is what it is, and it's 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 fine. I like Jake Freely. I've got him on a fantasy team, and I started him today. It was good, but he was not my first round pick. Nope. Yeah, if you're uh, <laughs> talking about having Jake Freely batting in the three hole in the lineup, that really sort of shines a spotlight on for me what was the saddest part of today, which was that we didn't yeah. get to see. Joey Votto. Yep. Um, that will be a fog that hangs over not just this opening day, but any future ones that he is in the league, and even a couple once he's retired. Um, I think it would have been uh, – it would have brought something else to the experience. So I hated not seeing Joey. I hope that we get a chance to do it again sometime in the future. I've um, got this, I've got this go sneaking ahead. theory that if uh, if things don't go as planned this year, which uh, – well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to project on that. 
but this is not going to be the last time Joey Votto is a, a red on opening day. Is my my sneaking suspicion, but uh, I don't want to get into to when that will be. Um, I will say though, if you look at what Joey's done in April's past in recent seasons, um, I almost understand his uh, commitment to making sure he is totally tuned in before wanting to get back on the field. And maybe it's not a terrible thing that he wasn't a part of today's festivities if the Reds really are, you know, whether we like it or not, choosing to kind of turn the page on that era and go youth. He wasn't there to be that big distraction. Eh, not that he's a distraction. He would deserve every bit of adulation that he got. But um, if the Reds truly are going to go young, him not being there and him kind of saying like, no, you, you guys take a week or two and and get your feet wet. And when I'm back to being much more uh, in tune to my swing, I'll be back to be a, be a part of this. I almost wonder if that was by design on his part also. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm projecting here, but that's I hadn't thought way, about it that way. That's the way I kind of, and that's how I rationalize of, not being there today. Kind of a, a uh, Jonathan India, you say this is your team have at it kind of yeah. a thing. Something like that, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure I, I've got what it takes to be, hundred percent on, I might be 90%, but if it's, if I'm not hundred percent, it's not my team anymore. And so go, go, go get him. And when he comes back in two weeks, two and a half weeks, whatever it is, um, he's, he's, he's a part player, which can still be a big part of this team, but it's not, you know, the, the spotlight's not him at the, on him at that point, not because he's not capable of producing, but because it should be on the other players who are going to be around for a while. So I don't know. Again, this is me projecting because I didn't get a chance to watch Joey Votto play for the Reds today. I know we can all uh, we're all gonna be sad about that for a little while. Let's move on to the pitching a little bit. Um, Hunter Green's start was, if it wasn't for Fernando Cruz's just very unfortunate appearance, Hunter Green had a chance to have one of the weirdest stat lines I've ever seen. Three point one. He ended up with three point one innings pitch, five hits, three runs, all earned, three walks, eight strikeouts. If Fernando Cruz could have come in there and shut them down, it would have been three point one eight Ks with one earned run. Um, Chris, what did you see out of 100 today? That uh, good, bad, the ugly? Well, you know, I the, the reaction I had watching him was, gosh, I wonder what he would look like through a 98 instead of 101. Because it felt like just a, a lot of overthrowing, a lot of those fastballs running away from right-hand hitters, like way off the plate, like not even close. Um, I mean, obviously the stuff's electric, uh, it's like a lot of fastballs, what I saw, but, uh, I just, I kind of feel like if he could live at 98 and maybe get a hair more movement, he might be even more effective than he is rather than, you know, topping out the gun. Well, living at 101 is still four miles per hour slower than where he tops out. I don't know if I believe that. Do you believe that? I didn't believe it when it happened. I was like, I mean, I don't know how obviously it sounds nonsensical to say it didn't look like 105, but it didn't look like 105. I mean, it wasn't anywhere near like the place where they're where they're looking for the ball, right? Oh, he missed by like two and a half feet for the spot. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. But listen, we uh, we don't fact check on this podcast. So as far as I'm concerned, that was 106 miles an hour. Round it up. Um, yeah, I thought I, it was I, interesting. I can't wait to see that breakdown on um, like what pitches he threw and how often uh, he was using that changeup quite a bit, which is interesting. Um, I don't know. Wick, what would you see? I didn't think he had great command of his slider today, and I think that's kind of what kind of got him in trouble. Um, you know, towards the end of last season, I think that was a pitch that really kind of took off for him, and it became his, you know, keep them off balance pitch. Uh, I don't I'd have to go back and double check again, but when I was paying the most attention to him, he wasn't really throwing it for strikes as much. And that led him to have to kind of lean on that fastball a little bit more than I think he wanted to. And it worked, but it also worked his pitch count up. It was at 83 pitches with, mm -hmm. with 10 outs recorded. And I think that's why David Bell was the, the early hook there because um, you know, it's, it's the same reason why I've not been as optimistic on even the high end projections of what this Reds team can do, because with those three young starters that they're leaning on, even if everything goes completely as well as it possibly can, I really don't see them letting any of them go really beyond 150 innings this year uh, because there's not enough around them to, to warrant wanting to push them into September to do that. And if that's the case, what does September hold 
it's the the fact is he's the youngest starting pitcher in baseball on opening day this year at 23 and with not a lot of innings on his shoulder. Um, I, I don't foresee them letting him go pitch count wise deep in games like this, nor do I see them going deep into the season innings wise like this. And there's just not a whole lot behind him to really kind of pick up those pieces, both in the rotation or in the bullpen. So I, I actually kind of thought this was a start that we would see from Hunter Green. I thought he might get to 90 pitches. I was hoping he'd get 90 pitches in five innings, but obviously it came in, in the fourth uh, beforehand. But um, I think it's just kind of indicative of where where he is right now. And it's not a bad thing at all. It's just you factor that in with what the Reds have to offer behind him and where they are in terms of not necessarily prioritizing winning games this year. Um, you might see a lot of this this year, which is um, him not giving up a lot of hits, but you know, if he can't keep the ball in the strike zone, either that pitch count is going to rise pretty quickly. So um, I don't think Pittsburgh ever really had him, you know, teed up one incredible O'Neill Cruz swing aside, (laughs) which was electric as hell. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what you'll see a lot of from him as he continues to refine his, his, his craft going forward. Yeah. That, that, that pitch clock, like that one, that Cruz at bat, like it, it, when th- you're, I think what we're going to notice is like when things happen, they can happen really fast now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's no like stepping off and pacing around. I mean, hell, O'Neill Cruz probably would have stepped out of the box when he was down 0 2. Right. In, in, you know, in a prior world. But I, I just saw like, I, I think he wanted that 0 2 pitch, which I think was a ball, but he didn't get the call. And that just. Like he didn't, his he turned his brain off. It seemed like at that point, he's like, "I'm just going to throw it by him." And that's one dude that can hit a fastball, no matter how hard you throw it. He that hit was, it. Sure <laughs> still I mean, I didn't like the way it ended up, but he hit it. That was um, that one of the few times that I've seen Hunter Green sort of, you hate to say, like lose composure. Um, and I think it's got something, at least a little bit, to do with exactly what you're saying. He didn't get the opportunity to step off the mound take a deep breath, collect himself, and go. And I don't think he was as mad about, obviously, I don't know what he's thinking, but I'm going to say and pretend I do. I don't think he was as mad about that one pitch that he didn't get as he was a previous five or six that he just never seemed to get a call. And collectively, that added up, and he showed it a little bit, which is something we're not used to seeing. And, granted, he settled down right after that and went and did his job. But it was, um, <laughs> it was, it reminded me a lot of last year with a little more finesse, but – you see all the potential in the world. You see why people are as high on him as they are. And then you also see how, hey, man, like you're, you're young. Like you got to learn how to pitch in this league. People can hit 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. And what what was his, right his, his 20 uh, – he made 25 starts last year. Is that right? So this is 20, 26th start of his career. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the biggest start of his life uh, at the professional level. Like I, I, I can see, you know – I obviously never competed in sports anywhere close to this level, but like I do remember getting heated in big moments when you were asked to do them at times 20 years ago. Um, you know, that that happens. It's, you know, and and he'll get through that and get past that. But uh, I am trying to also temper my expectations a little bit and be like, yeah, he's 23. And this was hands down. The, it's the most crowded Great American ballpark's ever been in his career. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully he'll take away that aspect of it more than he will – uh, the one mistake pitch that got that got absolutely clobbered. You know, I mean, it's, it's I mean, we, we we can characterize it as like a meltdown, but I mean, it's not. He's not like Matt Latos out there. I mean, it's, it was a lapse of concentration, really. Yeah. And two pitches, he made he made two bad pitches. You know, he should have got him out on two or two two, and then bang. So hopefully, he takes that away and and. So you can't take one pitch off against these dudes. You cannot throw yep. it. You just can't throw it 102 past O'Neill Cruz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was an understandable lapse in concentration. Yeah. I felt like it's one of those things that we're gonna the growing pains they're gonna come with this it's development and some mm-hmm. of these new rule changes. And we're gonna see a lot of other pitchers do it too. Hopefully, the Reds can be on the right side of that a few times. One thing that sort of spotlighted for me was. A lot of people have said, man, it's, it's it's fun knowing that the Reds are going to have a chance three out of every five games. Like, they're going to send out a starter that gives them a chance to win the ball game three out of five times. It's going to be a long year if three of those five don't get to the fourth inning or fifth inning. 
Um, you're, we're already running thin. We, we know the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation are terrifying. I was going to say questionable, but terrifying. <laughs> it is not must-watch TV. So they're going to have to do some tweaks. You're going you're gonna to need those three young studs to go deeper into the games. I didn't think the bullpen was that bad today. I think there was some, some good things to highlight. Fernando Cruz, unfortunately, not one of them. Alex Young looked good. Um, you know, Derek Law got out of all his trouble. Ian Jabot, legendary great team, Great Britain reliever Ian Jabot was was perfectly fine. I guess like a lot of the things that terrified me last year aren't terrifying me this year. And that's my big takeaway from from this game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll agree with that for sure. I mean, Derek Law specifically looked better than I expected him to. Um, but let's be honest, like this was a bullpen that was dead last and fifth in all of baseball last year. And we're basically counting significantly on TJ Antone and Lucas Sims and Tony Santillan all getting back to health and maybe Justin Dunn being in that mix. If he didn't get a starting spot, um, it's a banged up group that didn't have a lot of depth to begin with. So we're going to be watching a lot of guys that are the plan C's and plan D's already. And, you know, if that's when you factor all that into what you saw today, once again, it was also against the pirates. Um, I, I, there, there's, there's, some hope out there, no doubt about it. But it was also a little bit of, um, you know, uh, uh, I didn't have incredible expectations for what they were going to try to be tasked with pulling off today either. Chris, what do you think about that lineup? Well, I mean, it's it is what it is. I guess the what I'd say, um, you know, I, there's three or four guys that are interesting, and there's a couple guys who I'm counting on to be pretty solid. Um, Spencer Steer is, is pretty cool. I'm going to be honest. Like this is kind of, I'm kind of coming new to this whole team because I checked out last May and did not come back. Like I, yeah, right. (laughs) I was out. Like I could, I had no interest in this team at all last year. So I didn't see much of Hunter Green last year. I didn't see much of Spencer Steer. Um, so, you know, some of these guys coming new and they're, they're, they're kind of impressive. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of strikeouts from your starting outfield, though. Yeah, that's a fact. My, my big question was, and this happened as soon as they released the lineup card, I said, how's the guy that barely made the team and probably would not have made the team if Joey Votto was, was playing, batting fifth? When established major leaguers, Will Myers, and then Spencer Steer, who every projection system on the planet thinks he's going to be the best red this year, batting below him. I mean, maybe – Dusty Baker kind of move, isn't it? <laughs> don't don't want to shake up the rest of the lineup by uh, by yeah. by adjusting yeah. down. So We're all used to guy. it. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I couldn't get over that. Some guy whose name I promise not to remember come September um, was who, Matt Field on opening day. Good for him, by the way. Yeah, might might have had the biggest hit of the game too. I mean, yeah, that's 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 baseball baseball gods throwing karma at you <laughs> whenever that happens. And uh, yeah, did, for sure, what, good for him. Yeah, good for him. What did you guys think of uh, Jose Barrero today? Solid glove. Love the defense. Yeah, he made one tremendous play uh, going uh-huh. against uh, against the, his body and throwing back across. That was that was tremendous. I mean, that's that's the thing is that like if the bat never shows up, he's got a glove. He's got legs. He's got you know two tools that you can't teach to most guys out there. Whether it's you know the everyday shortstop or modified backup shortstop and, and center field role. Like he's a big leaguer in my eyes like that, that, that will play. Um, and obviously he's got batting practice skills that a lot of play, people don't have either. Um, the new stance, everything else, it's, you know, a very, very small sample against a, a right-handed pitcher, but um, yeah, he looked promising. He laid off a couple, a couple early breaking balls that looked like they were pretty good pitches early on against Mitch Keller. Uh, that was impressive. I feel like he never did that last year and it let him get deeper into counts. Um, I've still got optimism that he's not going to be a, a guy with an OPS that starts with four anymore. Um, I think he's significantly better than that. Uh, how much better? I don't know, but, uh, it was at least one day where, um, I didn't look at him as being overmatched today, which is that's, that was a good thing. And yeah, defensively was, it was fine. It was that, that's a guy who I would trust to shortstop every day if I needed to. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad you brought up that one point. Um, 
let's not sugarcoat it. He had a really bad day at the plate. I mean, he was over four with two strikeouts. Let's not pretend yeah. that he wasn't. But last year, he looked so uncomfortable at the plate that it was obvious. You didn't even have to know anything about baseball to know that this guy looked overmatched. I don't think he looked overmatched today. I do think that there may have been some scouting report issues. I don't know why he wasn't getting attacked with that low and away breaking ball every single pitch. Mm-hmm. But well, um, yeah, 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 bad against Moretta in the in the sixth. I, I think lasted about eighteen seconds with the pitch clock and the three pitch <laughs> yeah. strikeout. Yeah. It's like <laughs> barely got the walk up music was still echoing, and he was going back to the dugout. I'm just saying, you have to understand the storylines here. You were the guy standing in front of Kevin Newman facing Dari Moretta right now. <laughs> I mean, this this is this is big big cinema stuff, right? Oh here. yeah, I'm probably gonna. Sports Center is going to lead with that. This is a celebrity death match waiting to happen here. We got to find out who wins. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but he was not the most overmatched red in the lineup, unfortunately. Um, Chad's favorite, Will Benson, did not have himself a day. Over four with four strikeouts. Yikes, man. He looked looked like Jose Barrera last year. Well, the last time he finally took a pitch in off the plate, which was – the first of like seven, I think, that he saw all day. I don't know. I, I like it. I still think that guy's got some talent. And I mean, obviously, I'm not going to write him off one day. No, of course not. I think uh, not. He's one not of the reasons the I'm super for. Yeah, for sure. No. Doing the yeah, Pokey Vince. Reese kind of opening day. <laughs> yeah, Vince is one of the reasons I'm so excited about watching this this season and this team. I think he really has a chance to do some fun stuff out there. But it was a, uh, you know. Important bat at bats late in the game. You start thinking, like, have your Cincinnati moment. Like, we're, uh, we don't know you yet, but we'd love to. And it just did not happen. Let's see. Here. Anything else? I mean, we talked about Votto on the IAL. Let's get into some of the spring training stuff. Um, were there any roster surprises for you guys? I mean, Jason Foster starting was definitely a surprise to me. The, the big think- one for me was that I really wanted Henry Ramos to make this team. I think he's yeah. a fun guy. Like, Older, sure, like he doesn't have all that upside, but he got raked in Korea or Japan, whatever it was, and he's mashing in spring training. I don't see why they don't let somebody like that on the roster instead of the the Jason Vossers of the world, but that's kind of the only one for me. I'm kind of convinced the Reds were surprised, honestly. Um, like I, I honestly think they they reached a point in spring training where they thought Joey Votto was going to be here on opening day. And I think when he said no, I mean, Stuart, they, they options Stuart Fairchild. <laughs> you know, and then brought him back. And I'm not sure I really remember that ever happening, even like with a significant spring training injury. I don't really remember that happening um, on this kind of level where they were like, no, with a week to go, you know, you're back to AAA. And then all of a sudden, like, number change. And welcome back to the opening day roster. Um, and I think that's because they were like, well, Will Myers is going to have to play somewhere first base, which he eventually did today. They wanted an initial right-handed bat to play in the outfield. Uh, they needed an additional outfielder in that regard also. So uh, I, I was – I guess I'm surprised at the transaction tree it took to get them to where they were. Yeah. Um, but, again, you know, let's let's be honest. It's it's an injury-riddled roster already. They've got a lot of guys. That, I mean, the, the, the announcement they put out this morning, which they waited until Thursday to do, I don't know if that's because they had waiver claims in overnight or – um or what but you know when they came out this morning before announcing the open day roster it was it was that long of which guys were going on the il and which il it was and who's going where and uh nick solak getting uh dfa did this morning also i think there was a lot of still you know at the margins trimming that had to happen right up until the last minute which lets me know that they weren't totally really comfortable with maybe more than about 21 or 22 of the guys that were available. And they really had to make the toughest decisions out there to, to get to 26, you know, so, <laughs> would, yeah, would, would you be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I'd, well, I'd be waiting till the absolute last minute possible to see who had more guys than they could possibly stomach on their 40 man yeah. roster. And we're putting on waivers, which uh, I think I, that's what they did. Yeah. I completely thought they were going to get somebody from another yeah. organization. And, yeah. and I will say, I also would have told you six weeks ago that Chad Pender and Nick Solak would have absolutely positively been on the opening day roster. Yeah. I mean yeah. that, so I had no faith in their willingness not to load up on those kind of guys. And to their credit, they didn't do it. So wait a second. Y'all hear that? 
Is that is that Chad Dawson's music? Hacksaw <laughs> <laughs> Jim Off the top rope. Chad Dawson, What's up? Can welcome. Is, uh, you need are you gonna is Nate, you gonna tag tag Nate out or what? <laughs> no way. We got, we got both of you in the ring. How's everyone doing? We this is we talking about Jason Vosler here? What's what's happening? Had some Jason Vosler talk. Um, we're kind of talking about roster con- construction right now. And I gotta say, we've said some, believe it or not, we've said some positive things about Nick Crawl on this podcast in the last few weeks. Um, I'm gonna draw the line at my Nick Crawl praise with uh, what Wick just pointed out. They weren't really comfortable with more than 21 or 22 of the players on the 26 man roster. Oh, get crawled! <laughs> yeah, Chad, I, I, did you get I'm to watch sure. the game? I, I did um, most of it. I, you know, I, I had it on my phone basically the last uh, few innings as I was at my son's uh, ball game, and uh, I don't know what what happened here. They, I, I kept expecting that big walk off win, and uh, it didn't happen. But but I, I checked the box score. My guy Will Benson had a big game. I see, and uh, so. <laughs> Yeesh. I don't know. You know, what are you, what are you going to do? It's the Reds and the Pirates opening day. It was fun. Uh, come on. Come on. Now, Wick, not really. I say he popped in with the Tottenham towel. I had to, I, I, <laughs> I, I was telling them earlier, I have to, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the makeshift uh, recording studio in the side of our bedroom because the normal office is under construction as we're getting ready for baby number two. So it dawned on me as, uh, as I see Tottenham in the background that I might as well dig into my own closet and pull out my Arsenal shirt just for, for countermeasures here. Some Somebody's got to root for a winning team this year on some sport, right? So. It's it's only you. It's only yeah. you. Certainly not, <laughs> not be. Um, no, you know, I don't know. Come on. Too many Arsenal fans here. Get out of here, Nate. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what to say with this game. I don't know what you all have already said. I, I listened to a little bit of it. I'm away back from the, from the the field, but it, most you know, of uh, um, most of what we said, there's only one viewer here. We have more now, so go ahead and repeat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was me. Um, no, it was. Uh, what are you going to do? You know, opening day Cincinnati, a lot of fun. Love to see the the uh, the crowds and you know the excitement and uh, you know the 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 diehards will have Great American Ballpark to themselves for the next eighty games, maybe. But uh, it's always good to see the pageantry, and I don't know, you know, I, I get I get get excited about it, regardless of who the how the team is. Uh, saw some things today I thought that are going to continue to be problems. Um, you know, the bull, bullpen blowing a lead, and um, I, I don't know. We we can nitpick and and uh, you know break down everything on the opening day game and draw grand conclusions, but. You can't lose them all if you don't lose the first one. Jonathan Andy hit that double in the bottom of the ninth. I jumped off the couch. I was ready. I was like, this is – I can't wait to get on the podcast and talk about this walk-off win. Let's freaking go. And that like I said, that's, that's more excitement than I've had for Reds baseball in a really, really long time. And that's going to be my big takeaway. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be just the diehards going to games this year. I think that guys like Jonathan India, guys like Tyler Stevenson, who also had a pretty pretty rough day um, – are going to keep people coming out to the ball yard because they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. That was fun for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's baseball. It's back. I, you know, I don't know. They, they, they just have to win four games out of their first 25 to make it better than last year. That's all I'm hoping for. Just a little bit better than last year. It's going to be hard to go undefeated now, which kind of sucks. Well, at least series that- win. At least they don't have 11 of their first 13 games on the road like last year. Um, you know, I feel like – and just looking back at the schedule last year and, and who the heck they played early on to contribute to that miserable April, they were up against, like, all the best teams in baseball right off the bat, and a lot of them on the road. They played the Dodgers and the Braves and the Padres twice. Like, it was a it was a very bad time to be a very bad team playing very bad baseball, and it really, really snowballed on them quickly. And, uh, yeah, it would be very nice to – you know, I guess I went back to 2019 because I was I was trying to go back to 2018 to figure out, you know, reminiscing on those wonderful Brian Price era baseball teams where they went three and 18 and he got fired. Um, the next year they went 11 and 16 in 2019, which wasn't a great year, but at least I remember 2019 being a season where it was like, yeah, I I, I had interest in that club for a while. You know, it it it, mm-hmm. it didn't end up being much, but it wasn't like I was zoop, nope, I'm gone by the third week of April. It would be very, very nice because there are, as we've mentioned before earlier, um, while the 26-man roster is not tremendous, 
there are a number of really talented, fun players to watch if they can stay healthy this year. I would love to have the chance to watch them play um, competitive, meaning base, meaningful baseball games um, beyond the first couple weeks of the season. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, also, love the comments, guys. Keep those coming. My second favorite Canadian named Joseph asked, why take Hunter out in the fourth? And for me, it's just – it's a pitch count thing. If you're not planning on contending for a World Series this year, why – leave him out there any longer the first game of the season. Um, I don't know, Chris, any other opinions on that? No, I mean, and it wasn't like he was dominating. He threw 83 pitches, but it, it was, you know, four or five pitches every at bat. It didn't seem like anything was going to, he wasn't turning the corner and you weren't going to get another inning out of him anyway. So when you got Fernando Cruz available and he's heated up. <laughs> when you have Fernando Cruz warmed up, you got to go to him. I mean, you have no choice. Have you all talked about the uh, the, the the pitch clock thing with Hunter yet? Did y'all discuss that? We touched yeah. on. We can go. We can yeah. go into it again. Yeah. What did you What did you see, Chad? Well, I just he, he clearly seemed flustered. I guess it's just the. It's going to be interesting to watch some of these guys get used to this uh, in real time. And you know, um, I don't know. I don't have any. Again, no grand conclusions about it other than it was it was interesting. That they're going to have to adjust on the fly. <clears throat> to To me, the odd thing is why he took the the pitch clock violation in the first place. Like he was just standing there staring at Tyler Stevenson when time ran. It wasn't like he was shaking people off or it was close. Like all of a sudden he was just out of time. He was also humming along at that point too. He had what, five straight strikeouts or something like that? Like something he had Cruzo too. Yeah. He was cooking until he wasn't. Yeah. And I, it, it really just seemed like he's that he's that type of guy that, that really likes to collect himself and his composure is something that we laud constantly and everybody seems to uh, you know praise him for. And you're right, Chris, like this this pitchcock might remove the ability to take that deep breath. And I and I hope that's not the case going forward. I hope anybody does step in and be like, Hey, don't be a beehole about this stuff. Like if, if the guy needs, needs a minute and he's gonna you know mess up by two seconds, it's fine. We don't need to change the game that much but we'll see how that goes mr one says pitch clock is stupid <laughs> <laughs> i uh i don't necessarily agree with you mr one but um i i see your point he also asked what do we make of hunter still not throwing his change up i thought i saw him throwing it a few times today i think he threw a i don't know how much I think he threw it early, but as I, we mentioned a little bit earlier ago, like I don't think he was locating his slider much at all. And I'd have to go back and figure out exactly which which of his, his change-ups he was throwing early also. I feel like he wasn't locating that either. And so the 83 pitches to get, you know, 10 outs thing, I think was a pitch count issue that ultimately made, you know, David Bell kind of uh, uh, make that decision. But I think the fact that he wasn't locating those pitches also was a reason why. Um, so to pitch out of that one particular jam and also do it, in a high leverage situation with that many pitches under his belt. I just think he thought it was time because he wasn't getting closer to finding that location the further the game got on. Because, I mean, obviously plenty of pitchers do that where they can't find it early and second, third time facing the same batters, you, you kind of figure out where you're throwing stuff. It didn't seem to me that he was finding that secondary pitch location further into the game. So I just don't think he had that today. And I think that made a big, 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 big difference in why he went to Cruz when he did um, because – it wasn't like he could lean back on the secondary stuff to get out. But, I mean, he threw his – I know they put a graphic up at one point early in the game where uh, he threw his change 5% of the time last year, and that was it. So he was effectively a two-pitch pitcher. Um, he might have thrown it 8%, which is what? One additional pitch in, in that grand scheme today. Um, it didn't seem like something he was leaning on, and uh, I think that's just going to come down to the fact that he hasn't quite mastered it yet, which – Again, we're talking about the guy who's the youngest opening day starter in, in all of all of baseball this year. It just wasn't wasn't his day for his off speed stuff today. I don't think. Chad, do you think there is any truth to the rumors floating out of Cincinnati that David Bell just didn't want to deprive the citizens of the Queen City from seeing Fernando Cruz on opening day? <laughs> well, I'm, I hope so. If he cares anything about us, the uh, the baseball consumer, I think a lot of this with Hunter Hunter Green. Yeah, Okay, pulling him out early and the change up and the you know getting getting uh, frustrated at the the pitch clock or whatever. It, 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 Wick sort of uh, hit on what I was going to say. He's a kid. He's a kid. I mean, you know, we think of him, he's he's so composed. Usually, we think of him maybe as a, a little older than he is. Um, 
But but here's a, a trivia time question: Who's the last Reds opening day starter younger, or as young, or younger than Hunter Green? Who was the last one? Does anyone know the answer to this? Chris Garber knows the answer. They put this on the on the TV today. It was Frank Pastore. Oh, did it? Frank was Pastore, it? 1980, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I knew so, it had been a while, but I would not have guessed 43 years ago. Wow. Well, Wick over reminding everybody that 1980 was 43 years ago. (laughs) Yikes. I know what 1982 was. Trust trust me on that one. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, he's a kid, Um, whatever, you know. Um, It was a lot of what we saw last year. Really, really great sometimes. And, you know, he's he's still a kid other times. So, I, I, I don't take anything away from Hunter Green's start other than I hope it's better next time. Yeah, I love it. Pull up Nathan's question there again. This is not me, by the way. I assume it's Nathan Comer. Different Nathan. Nathan Connor, <laughs> I think. Are broken uh, communication broken? devices a good way to get an extra rest? Sure. Chess. <laughs> yeah, there was a. Was it Tyler Stevenson had a uh, had a breakdown of equipment at one point today, and and they had to come out and give him a new uh, device. I heard that but, Mike Moustakis tried to leg out an infield single and then right after that complained that the communication device was broken so he could get some extra rest. <laughs> Come on. Really? really, We're still with the Moustakis? <laughs> Come on. Hey, I was, I was about break. to go put local television on and watch Mike Moustakis start at third base <laughs> with the Rockies out here tonight. So. It's terribly exciting. Terribly Is, exciting. Uh, I hate that for you. I, I actually feel like there's a rule on that even. I, I, I feel like they've, got, they've tried to think of like every possible trick uh, you could you could pull to get a little extra time out there, and they've squeezed it all out. Well, yeah, the Astros the are going to be going to try to find. Yeah, the Astros I mean, are going to be going to try to find um, you know secondhand communication devices that are on their last legs, just so they can uh, break them in the middle of the inning. I mean, it's baseball. They're going to they're going to keep trying to find every possible way to squeeze out whatever advantage they can. So uh, I fully expect it. This is something that actually could buy you a couple seconds. We're going to see it all the time. I mean, the the, the communication device uh, operators within all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums are going to get fired left and right uh, if players keep going out there and say, no, it's not working, sorry. Uh, but they're going to keep doing it. It's going to keep happening. It's baseball. I mean, that's they're going to find the edge. They can't wait to find out how stupid it gets, but they're going to keep trying to find it. I, I, I am very pleased that, a little bit of the nonsense that was going on in spring training didn't seem to stick with the pitchers yeah. really trying to play games. They, they stopped the quick pitching pretty, pretty early and, you know, letting it wind down to the clocks at 14 or whatever. Um, I, I'm glad that that's not, doesn't seem to be a thing. Yeah. My hope is that, you know, the goal of this rule was to in, in, improve on the pace of play. Let's get things over more quickly. We don't need this rule to be, strictly enforced to get there and we don't need manipulation we don't need people playing games let's just just make it go quicker it, it was very interesting that uh bally sports seemed to have no plan for how to display the pitch clock did you notice this mm-hmm. on the broadcast no like it, it, it in the first like inning, that little diamond between the like the bases where the runners are on which you could barely see yeah but, but the first inning it wasn't anywhere no and the second inning, it was like superimposed a camera of it, like in a 1970s football game where they just like have a camera aimed at the clock and put it in an inset window. Yeah. And then finally, the third inning, they came up or maybe they fixed the. Uh, I'm a little real against it as a fan. I don't want the clock up there. I don't need to see it. It should not be something so obvious to the fan, to the to the teams <clears throat> even. Like like if, if it's if they're throwing it in our face, we're gonna have to keep talking about it. And I think that's going to lead to people trying to manipulate it more often. I'm against seeing the clock. What about some of the other rule changes? I mean, uh, from a viewing standpoint, the uh, the new shift rules are awesome, and I am totally here for them. I thought the, uh, I thought the larger bases were going to make that uh, that overturn of, was it Will Myers, who the striker him out, throw him out, steal him second base in the, the eighth inning? I thought, I thought that that extra little, uh, you know, quarter of an inch was going to make that that a safe call, but apparently right. not. Was that Stuart Fairchild pinch running? It might have been. Yeah. It was Fairchild. It was Fairchild pinch running. That's right. The, the when he switched into right field, um, 
I we thought mighty, yeah. we can go mighty yeah. ducks on it though. Quarter inch the other way. It yeah. Out entirely. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I, that of all the rule changes, that's the one where I think I, I, I like it the most. Um, you know, steals are, that was a big reason why I became a baseball fan when I was a kid. Um, you know, the ability for, for people on the bases to kind of get in the pitcher's head and get into the, 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 the catcher's head and, and get into whoever's calling the pitches, their heads also, you know, of course, back when I was a kid getting into baseball, fastballs were about 87 miles an hour and getting all the way to second base was a little bit easier than this when hundred greens throwing 100 and 112 or whatever it is he is. Um, so I, I appreciate their ability to recognize getting that back in the game is something that's um, it can, it can totally change the game. It'll totally change rosters. I think um, once, once teams get a chance to fully adapt to that um, some of the other ones I'm a little bit skeptical about, but uh, the, the larger bases and encouraging more running on the bases is something I'm very much for. Well, they flashed a, a stat up there that said that the Reds stole 41 bases in spring training, and they only stole 58 all of last season. <clears throat> but it was, I, I love that. Yeah, but it was cool. I mean, the first inning, the Pirates are are trying to steal. I mean, it was ended up being a, a, a walk, but but they're running. Then the they had that uh, really cool bunt for a base hit. Just like a lot of a lot of variety, a lot of different kinds of play going on. Well, I was going to say is that it's something we've been through in, uh, in iterations of Red's past. You still can't steal first base, though. Um, and uh, I believe it was Will Benson who caused the most havoc on the base paths in, in spring training. But when you go for four or four strikeouts, it's it's hard to put a lot of havoc on the bases. So that's still going to be something about that you have to do. So Chad's adopted son, Will Benson, like that. TJ Friedel didn't. TJ Friedel didn't steal bases today either. I mean, the, the guys they've got who've got the wheels, you still got to get on first base to be able to cause that havoc. And we did not see that today. So, how about Wu? Where'd Wu go? Hello. Let's look at Wu here. You're bringing back up. Wu says, uh, ask, is, it, <laughs> is it possible that the combined salaries of the two team starting lineups today will be the lowest to take the field this season? If so, can there be a banner raised or something? Well, at this point, I'll take anything that gets a banner raised. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Did I see that the 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 payroll of the players that are actually on the Reds' active roster today was like twenty million? I think that I mean it was it ended that, up being less than what they're paying Mike Mustakis to not right. <laughs> It's close. It's close. Because yeah. yeah. minimum, majorly minimum is like 720 right now, I think. So that times 26, that gets you to like, that gets you to roughly one Mustakis, I guess. Although, no, <laughs> okay. that gets you to what Mustakis would have made had they picked up the option, not the buyout on top. So, yeah, right. that would have been like 22. So we're getting pretty close to that. They're not about yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Can Joey Votto come back, please? <laughs> Why? After what Jason Vosler did. Garber called him a Joey Pip. <laughs> Joey Votto's never going to get his job back. Um, gotta say, uh, I'm still riding a bit of that Spencer Steer wave. Um, he looked really, really good. Why he was batting was the seventh. I, I, I don't know. Why he was batting two spots behind Jason Pip Bossler. I don't know. David Bell is uh, he's going to David Bell some things from time to time. I heard y'all saying earlier, it really did seem like you're in Little League, you know, and, and you don't want to get kids used to hitting seventh. You don't want him to have to move him around to the lineup. <laughs> you know, it's just, well, let's just stick him in at fifth. That's where we were planning on batting, you know, whoever. Um, Vada, I, bat, I bat behind him. I go out to the next circle when he's in, in, the, in, the, in the batter's box. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you hitting in the order? After him. <laughs> after him. Yep. Yep. We've all seen that. We've all been there. When I played, it was after all of them. <laughs> That's when I bat. If you're After lucky. all my friends have already batted. <laughs> so uh, Spencer Steer, though, you know, I, I made a comment during during the game. Uh, he he really he, you know, he's a, making his opening day debut, and yeah, whatever. Um, he's not exactly a blue chip prospect, but he sure looks the part. I mean, he looks like a guy that's going to stick and be a player. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be a star, but he looks like a guy that's going to be a player for a while. And again, I don't want to say too much about after one game, but just last year. And then uh, this, this spring, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I think his floor is pretty high. I think is the way I would put it. 
Yeah. Did he, home- he homered in his first game last year too, didn't he? He did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like they, they, they gave him the debut patch. I guess no, they, they didn't because he, he had already made his debut, but they were giving out those debut patches to all the, the rookies making their first game today. Maybe he wanted a patch. Um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Rookie. Maybe you can only play him in important games. <laughs> Just bench him for much of the regular season. Any like <laughs> div- you know division matchups late in the year, we get him out there. Playoffs, he's playing every day though. It'd be like the natural who come out at age forty-two finally back on the field. If he's only playing in big games, he won't get into any big games in Cincinnati until maybe he's forty-two. They'll finally have a big game. <laughs> well, speaking of the next time they have some big games, um, I guess I don't think we've talked about it yet. Um, in the minor leagues down there, Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand both starting on the injured list. I think there was um, halfway through spring training a pretty large contingent of Reds fans that thought we would see at least one of those guys on this major league roster for opening day if Votto wasn't going to be healthy. Um, does that dampen things for you guys at all? Are you worried about those injuries? I mean, hamstrings and backs always scare me. And that's not just a uh, you know lingering you know, symptom from watching Magic Mike 2, but. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll say one thing quickly and then I will pass it off while the guys are recovering from the Magic Mike comment. Um, (laughs) You you have to feel bad for Christian Encarnacion Strand because that poor guy is probably the starting first baseman on opening day if it weren't for this back injury. I mean, you know, maybe not, but after the way he performed in the spring, we're ready to give him a start. uh, Votto there. But uh, I feel bad for him. Yeah, from a I business mean, standpoint, it would have made sense. Hey, we're sorry, Vardo can't be there. But remember that young guy that just hit 600 during spring training? <laughs> He's going to get some at bats. Uh, Quick. Yeah. What were saying? I mean, uh, if both of them came up due to injuries to other people and both of them put up, you know, uh, five, six win seasons this year, it would be an absolutely amazing thing to watch as a fan. Um, I still don't think that's enough to carry this red team to like the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed that I'm going to get a chance to watch less of them because I'm absolutely going to watch the Louisville games whenever I can consume them, wherever I consume them. Um, so it's a bummer in that regard, but it's also, I don't think it changes a lot because I don't think they were going to be in the mix for, you know, big time everyday regular appearances this early in this particular 2023 season anyway. I don't think that was ever part of the plan. Um, I will say I am kind of bummed that we're not going to get a chance to see them play alongside Votto while he's on rehab in Louisville. I think that would have just been, I mean, it's already an incredibly stacked AAA team. That just would have been a very unique experience for anybody who's got a chance to get the bats games for for two, three weeks in in April of 2023 to see future Hall of Famer with that much talent around him. Um, in a triple A ballpark, I think that's that's a pretty unique thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Chris. I see he probably has more talent around him in Louisville than he will in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> Maybe not the pitching staff. Position wise, you might be ready. <laughs> if both rosters reach their absolute one hundred percent ceilings, who wins the seven game series? <laughs> Eesh, I don't know. I don't I'll take the pitching staff. Instance. Yeah, you got to go with the pitchers in the major league team. But uh, the only thing I have to say about the injuries to those guys are just, you know, uh, if it, it delays their uh, arrival on the big league scene, and um, I, none of us expect the Reds to be particularly good. And I, so I just want them to be interesting. And those guys on the big league level would at least be something to watch. And uh, so as Absolutely. soon as they can get there, bring them on. I don't care uh, uh, if they're, you know, uh, they're going to lead to lots of wins. Well, aside from my super hilarious Magic Mike comment that did not land somehow. Um, <laughs> it was a Magic will, Mike 2 comment, wasn't it? Magic Mike 2 comment. <laughs> I will say that, um, A, be cautious with these guys. I'm super excited about both of them, obviously. Two, whenever they're ready to come back, wait a couple more weeks. There's no reason to mess around. And a little bonus on top of that is that whole service time game. You don't have to, you know, be manipulative. It just worked out that way. So I'll take I that. guess. I guess. They should have got Nick Senzel up here sooner. Still true. <laughs> Even this season, maybe. All right, so guys, we've gone an hour already. Um, 
I feel like we can keep going for another hour, but we'll just keep talking in circles. And I've already convinced myself this team's going to win 80 games this year. So I need to stop drinking, apparently. <laughs> um, let's go around the clock real quick. Any parting thoughts on opening day in Cincinnati? Chad, what you got? Uh, you know, it's, it's fun. Whatever. You know, it's 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 divorced from anything else in uh, in the season. You know, it's a lot of excitement. I'm happy that I got like it's fun for guys like Spencer Steer and, and Will Benson did not respond too well to it, but that's got to be wild for him. Is you know, first opening day and that that kind of pageantry, that kind of uh, atmosphere. It's good for him. It's fun. You know, there will be how many in the park on Saturday? Uh, you know, twenty thousand. I don't know. I hope there's a lot. Whatever, but it's going to be a big difference and. Um, so I, I, I'll say this though. I was happy to actually, you know, against all odds, I was happy to be watching baseball. It's fun to watch games that actually matter, pitches that actually matter. So I had a good time and you know, I'll be, I'll be watching the other 161. That's a fact. Wick, how you feeling, bud? Uh, there was not a single player I watched today that I knew was not going to be a part of the Cincinnati Reds future. Last year, even Luis Castillo, Tyler Bally, like you, you knew they weren't going to be a part of the Cincinnati Reds' future. Like the good players weren't. Um, a lot of bad players, you knew you were watching. Also, they're like, "There's he's not going to be part of the future either." Um, I didn't get that sense today. I, I don't know which guys aren't going to be. There are plenty of them out there. I mean, obviously bullpen issues. I mean, it's the bullpen that that's a different story. But um, on the position player side, really. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are out there competing and th- there was nobody there who I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Um, that was kind of refreshing. It's, it's a competition out there for a lot of them. Um, that's not necessarily conducive to a great winning environment, but uh, it's, it means that you know that there are guys out there who aren't mailing it in that are going to be giving it their all that they know their jobs on the line. And, you know, for better or for worse, that does create an environment of watching that does give some drama to it. And eventually will down the road, especially as, um, you know, Ellie and Christian and Karnashian and Strang get healthier and start producing, you're going to see a little bit more of a squeeze there. And I think this was the first first episode of, the, of that. And that was that was it's entertaining in a different way than uh, I've watched baseball in, in most of my life. Um, but, you know, it's it's a team that's got some spark to it. And I will enjoy watching that while it's, it's that that's the perk of watching them. So. I could not agree more. I think that this is going to be a lot of fun, if not successful season. We're going to, we're going to enjoy watching this team. Um, Wick, real quick, please shout out where our listeners and viewers can find you. So you can, read my, you can read my stuff over at redreporter.com. Still doing as much writing over there as I possibly can, uh, despite the fact I'm trying to get the, the, the Walks Will Hot podcast back up off the ground. We, um, we basically tabled that all of last year because I, I couldn't find enough wherewithal to want to jump into talking about the Cincinnati Reds uh, on my own volition last year. Uh, but we're getting that back rebooted. We've joined up with Fans First Sports Network, which is a lot of the SB Nation podcasts that got cast aside when SBN decided to stop supporting those. We've banded together and partnered up with Megaphone to, uh, to kind of put all of our work together over there. And we're working on getting our stuff back up off the ground and, and connected over there as well. But um, you can find us there. We're on most every podcast network you can track down. Um, look for us as Walks Will Hunt, uh, which we should be having weekly podcast episodes going forward there. But then also, please stop by and read us at Red Reporter, where we try to do our best to give you some statistics and some information, but also keep things a little bit light <laughs> and humorous. Because let's be let's face it, this is uh, your your 41 of my life where I've been a Cincinnati Reds fan, and most of those you need a little chuckling to, to get yourself through them. So, um, that that's where we are, and uh, track us down when you can. Can I, yeah, can I just it. say, Walks Please. Will Haunt podcast by far the best podcast in the history of Cincinnati Reds podcast. <laughs> Not the most dangerous, but I'll take best. No, that'll that, that, that'll best, work. Yeah. So it is somewhere in my top four favorite podcasts. I'm not sure exactly where, but it's right above the Riverfront Bengals show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Chris, anything you want to say on the way out? Hey, just glad to be watching baseball again. See how it goes. The Cincinnati Reds 2023. We'll see how it goes. That's pretty much it. (laughs) It's only going to get warmer and sunnier, you know, like warmer and sunnier in baseball. Let's let's, let's do it for a couple months. Why not? Bring it on. Yeah. We weren't there. I'm excited to get to Cincinnati uh, later on this summer. 
Hopefully we can meet some people, shake some hands, and have some beers. But it seemed like the energy in Cincinnati was there. Opening day in Cincinnati, we all know, is a pretty special thing. And it hasn't got to be one of those in a while, and it seemed like it was back. So I love seeing that. I love that baseball is back. I love that this team is going to be fun and, you know, maybe good. <laughs> we'll see. But that's pretty much it. I, I had a great time today. So thank you guys for all joining us uh, talking about the stuff. Thank you to everybody in the comments. We appreciate that. Keep those coming. We're going to try to do some more live stuff a little more often. And just thanks for supporting the Riverfront. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or your favorite podcast app or on the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks. We are at Riverfront Cincy on all those places. And once again, a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. This show would not be possible without you. We mean that quite seriously. Um, as Chad would say, shout outs to uh, Adam Dunn, to Lisa Alberto, to Wayne Cranchicki, <laughs> and Eli Cash. For Chad, for Wick, for Chris, this is Nate Dawson. Thanks for long.